This is Ready Radio, preparing you to be ready for anything. Now, here's your survival guide for Ready Radio, John Rush. All right, welcome. Ready Radio, KLZ 560. Seems like Friday just rolls right around from one to the next. And uh, here we are again. Ready Radio live show today on September the 15th. So if you're listening to a replay of this, you'll know exactly what day it is. And this happens to be a show where we may very well replay it at a future date. And for some of you that listen on the weekends as well, you're hearing it uh, that way as well. Eric from Aurora joining us today. And you guys asked a few weeks ago, right? We got onto the topic of talking about cold weather, cold weather gear, and so on. And Eric was kind enough to reach out to me in an email and say, hey, I spent some time down at the the South Pole Station and probably have a little bit of experience on that. So Eric, welcome. How are you? Uh, doing well. A little nervous for talking on. Oh, you're fine. It's just like you and I having a conversation. Don't worry about that at all. So, and our, our listeners uh, are very, very gracious, Eric. So, and you are one of them. So don't worry about that. We, I've never had an issue where, uh, any guest has ever been, uh, poked at even through text messages or likewise. So don't worry about that. Our, our, our listeners are very gracious. Right. Yeah, um, I've, I've called into Rush to Reason a few times. Yes, you have. I recognize your voice, so thank you. I appreciate that. All right, so first off, South Pole. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing it gets a little cold there, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So let's set the scenario here. You're talking roughly like being up in Leadville, so you're talking around 10,000 feet in elevation. Okay. Uh, the warmest I saw was negative 10 Fahrenheit, wow. and the coldest we saw was negative 109. Negative 109. Wow. Your your nominal ice temperature there is neg 52. Okay. And uh, when you go into the winters there, because there's a jet stream that literally goes around the continent, it's circumpolar currents in the water and in basically you lock out all that warm air but you're on that polar plateau and during the winter the air density actually gets thinner so at times you're equivalent to twelve thousand feet plus in elevation as far as yeah i didn't know that i'm learning i I figured i would learn a lot with having you on today so i am i i did not know that first of all i didn't know the elevation second of all it makes sense now what you're saying that it seems that, that you're going up even farther because there's just less density to the air itself. Right, right. So Interesting. You have several, you have several things that change uh, as we cycle through the seasons, even here. Okay. Um, so as we go into winter, most of us will notice that our hair, our fingernails, things like that, grow slower. Okay. And that's because the the body steals vitamin A and couples it to proteins to burn in your muscles. All right. And that helps keep your muscles warm. Okay. On extreme cold climates, it actually steals your thyroid hormone. Oh. I so didn't know that. When, okay. When you're there, you start going into hypothyroidism, which is, of course, uh, almost like seasonal affective disorder on its own. You know, you, you become lethargic. Uh, almost depressed, but then you're also fighting literal sunlight lack there. Yeah, I mean, at Meg 10, people actually were so acclimated that they'd find the sunny side of the building and 
take their shirts off and sun themselves. Unreal. Um, but you know, well, if, if you're if you're in a cloistered area, you don't have a lot of wind pulling the heat of, from around your body. Okay. So uh, it's kind of a plus and a minus there. <laughs> now, how long were you there, uh, Eric? I, I was there one full year. Okay. Uh, got there in October of 2003, left actually almost into November of 2004. Okay. Antarctic Treaty requires that people be gotten out of there after, I think the maximum is 13 months. And why is that? Because, well, it tears your body apart. Uh. Um, you, you're at high elevation. We actually had one person my season that had to go out for altitude sickness. He couldn't adapt. Okay. When you get there, you're either taking ginkgo to increase blood flow to the brain, or some people literally take the altitude medicine like you would use if you were climbing Everest. Okay. And that helps increase oxygen flow to the body. Or you just suffer and, and adapt. Interesting. But when you're going there, You've left, you know, like, for example, I'm, I'm Colorado native. Right. Grew up in Littleton. Okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm acclimated to roughly 5,000. So you're, you're acclimated 5, to about feet. half of that already, right? However, the first thing you do is you go to uh, New Zealand, and you're there for two, you know, generally about two weeks waiting for the weather to get good enough yeah. at Ross Island. So now your body's going back so, down, is what you're saying. So you're acclimating now again to sea level, basically. Right. And okay. You get to Ross Island, and it can be another two to three weeks, depending on weather at the South Pole, before you can fly out of there. So you're you're acclimated to sea level, going up to mm. it, technically it's nine thousand three hundred and thirty-three feet, something like that. Okay. But the air thickness is only about ten thousand feet. Okay, uh, uh, dumb so, question on my part. How come none of us know that that's the elevation there? I, I thought it was sea level. I, I don't know why. I thought it was sea level. Uh, well, you know, we, we really don't talk about the formation or, or the structure of that continent. Uh, you know, and, and, but you're literally sitting on top of two miles of ice at, at the South Pole Station. Okay. And then, uh, it, so... The, the bottom of that ice is actually below sea level. Uh, and then you've also got higher elevations, like the, the Russian Vostok station is actually a higher elevation than South Pole. I didn't know that. I'm learning. In, back when I was there, there was no overland established road or route across the ice to get supplies in. So everything went in on C-130s or the little twin otter aircraft, which are flying out of Canada originally. During summer, they're up in Canada. During winter, they're supporting Antarctic. Uh, During Colorado winter, they're supporting Antarctic mission, which is, of course, their summer. I see. I see. Um, But, yeah, so everything was coming in on C-130s. If uh, they would get there, offload extra jet fuel, uh, to the, which is JP-8, uh, because it doesn't gel. That was put into bladders and taken to the 
storage tanks for running the generators. Um, then any supplies were offloaded. Sometimes they literally just rolled it off while it was still taxiing and kind of in a combat offload. And then any trash going out or any other things going out got loaded. The engines could not be shut down because they would freeze up. Right. Makes sense. And uh, then that plane would taxi and take off again. Okay, another dumb question on my part, which you could help answer. We all think of, you know, you just talked a moment ago, you go to New Zealand first, wait a little bit, get acclimated, and then from there, you know, another short trip to another island and then down to the South Pole. So we all know that New Zealand doesn't have the kind of weather we have in Colorado. In fact, snow is non-existent, but yet you don't go much further and everything you just mentioned is there. To me... I just can't wrap my brain around how, and maybe it's a lot further away than I'm thinking, but in my mind, those two aren't that far in distance, or am I way wrong? Uh, you know, I don't know the actual straight-line distance, but they are quite a ways apart. And, and thankfully, uh, I was one of the people that got to fly on the C-17 from New Zealand to Ross Island, which is McMurdo Station, and Scott. Scott Base is the Kiwi base there. Okay. And because uh, if you got to fly a C-130, it is a long, gruesome flight. Mm. Uh, even on the C- C-17, it, it takes a long time. It, it, so I think it was almost eight hours. So it's a lot further than we're there. thinking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's a long ways down there, and then to take the the c-130 from the island on up to the pole was several more hours okay okay uh and and when you get there you're actually you're landing on the temporary sea ice because they're they're still pre-spring you know the sun has come up for that part of the year Mm -hmm. uh you know you've got down down at mcmurdo station you you do have some daylight sunset type scenarios in early spring early uh, winter, okay. But South Pole Station, you have one sunrise, six months of sun, uh, and then one sunset, six months of darkness. Wow. Okay. I had no idea. I'm again. This is fascinating. I'm learning so much. I hope all of you as listeners out there are as well. Uh, it's Eric again from Aurora. Appreciate him taking time to to join us today. I am fascinated by all this. You see so many things, and I think also Eric. And not that I want to get into a bunch of conspiracy nonsense and all that today but there's a i think just a lot of misinformation on even the very things you're talking about today uh well yeah no i will say i never saw a single ufo base there okay thank you very much (laughs) appreciate that we'll get that one out of the way although there is a sign in the ice tunnel so they they brought in a boring machine almost like you'd use for going through a mountain okay and they tunneled under the ice to go from the 1970s dome to the summer camp areas. And it kept breaking down because of how cold that ice uh, is. Right, but right. Some, somebody jokingly did hang up a sign that says, this way to the UFO base. Oh, my word. So, <laughs> That's it, funny. It, you know, it's kind of an ongoing joke down there. Did you see the ice shelf that keeps all of everything else in since we're on a flat earth? Oh, yeah, I mean, I watched 
we, we close. It was so close, I could just see the water pouring off. You know. <laughs> uh, sorry, I just had to throw that in, Eric. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry but <laughs> there's so much of that going on today. It's like, okay, I got to at least throw that in at some point today because some of it is just outlandish. Again, it's just uh, it know, doesn't I make any sense. I actually have a friend whose wife is a flat earther. Oh and, boy. Uh, here, here, I've dealt with. Satellites. I got my start in satellite communications back in, um, dang it, 89. Okay. I went into the Army, and I signed up for fixed station satellite communications. I was supposed to be working with giant 60-foot dish antennas, 30-foot dish antennas, and I got sidetracked into a mobile satellite control facility. Uh, so I was working with 20-foot, but then I would periodically go over to the fixed. Uh, they, they were called DISCUS OCs, DISCUS being the Defense Satellite Communication Subsystem. OC is Operation Center. Uh, got sidetracked into those, uh, you know, between those two, and that's when... All of that stuff got turned over to Army Space. Ah, okay. So I got sucked into Army Space, and that was kind of like a black hole. You know, there's only ways out was to re-enlist to another MOS, uh, Military right. Occupational Specialty, right. or uh, you could become a recruiter, or you could go teach at Fort Gordon. Uh, the best way to get get a change in rank at Fort Gordon is go there as an E6 and become an E5. So. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Uh, so when you, and again, you're talking satellites and again, it's pretty common knowledge that, you know, our satellites go up into an orbit. It's how we communicate. Some are fixed, as you said, some roam around in orbit and take pictures and do all sorts of other things. And I, you know, again, we, and I don't think any, the average person is what I should say. The average person probably has no idea how many satellites are actually up either orbiting and or fixed in in a location so that we have communication and other things that we do on a regular basis, right? Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the geostationary or geosynchronous are 22,000 miles up there. Okay. And there it takes a minimum of three of them to give full coverage the circumference of the world but you're still missing everything 60 degrees north on up to 90 north and 60 south to 90 south. And it just and can't go around the, the, the circle, right? It just it can't, it can't communicate even, you know, I guess no matter what, and if you get up too high, then you're probably lacking in communication, lag time, all of that sort of stuff. Again, I'm not an expert, but I'm just thinking common sense-wise, yeah. the farther up it goes, the more latency we have, right? Well, there is latency, yeah, um, but... You know, the, the main thing is just your, the, the angle of your antennas and how much energy fall-off you mm. get on the outer edge. Okay, makes um, sense. And not to get too technical. No. Um, so if, if, you have a, if, you're, if, you, if you're in a dark room and you're standing two feet away from a wall and you click a, a flash bulb, it, you're going to get a certain amount of energy. Right. You, you back up two feet. The fall-off is significantly better. It's actually the inverse of the square of your distance. Okay. But the same thing, same effect, if you're talking an antenna talking from space, 
if your if your antenna's right over the pole, the the equator, then you've got a certain distance. But as you're looking further north or further south in that that communication signal path, you're increasing the range, mm. and so you you have an energy fall off there. But you know, anyways, um, that makes yeah. sense. No, by the way, thank you for that. That was a great explanation, and I think even. It goes back and kind of flies back into all of the whole flat Earth, you know, nonsense, which is just utter nonsense, Eric. And again, I don't. I how in the world you handle somebody that you're, you know, fairly close to that believes in that end of it, knowing everything that we now know today. I that one just baffles me. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it baffles me too. <laughs> All right, tell you what, no, but really quick, Eric, great place for a break. Hang tight. I got so many more things to talk about. Guys, don't go anywhere. And I'll tell you this, to make things a little easier, I won't have you call, but if you have a question for Eric on things that we're going to talk about, cold weather gear, South Pole, any, any of this stuff that we're talking about, if you've got a question for Eric, text me. We'll get that answered. 307 200 8222 Don't forget, of course, Stack Optical, we talk a lot about just eyewear, eye care, all the different things involving that. And I've had several questions of late. Who is that guy you talk about on air that does the glasses and so on? That is Stack Optical, Alan Stack, 303-321-1578. Are you looking for a healthcare provider who truly cares about you and your well-being? Look no further than Castle Rock Cryo, IV and Integrative Healthcare, where Dr. Scott Faulkner is ready to provide you with top-notch care. Colorado raised since 1968, Dr. Scott is a board-certified internal medicine specialist, bringing decades of experience and expertise to the table. At Castle Rock Cryo, IV, and Integrative Healthcare, you'll experience a competent, friendly, and efficient staff that puts your comfort and care first. Dr. Scott is a true advocate of the latest advancements in healthcare. That's why he only uses umbilical-derived stem cells, which have been clinically proven to be the most potent stem cells available. Tired of waiting weeks for an appointment? Unlike other practices, Dr. Scott has the remarkable ability to see you in a matter of days. Don't wait any longer. Call Castle Rock Cryo IV and Integrative Healthcare at 303-663-6990 to schedule your appointment with Dr. Scott Faulkner today. In such an uneasy and unpredictable time that we live in, growing your own food is becoming a necessity. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is a local family-owned and operated business that specializes in custom cedar greenhouses. Owners Jason and Annette have over 35 years of construction management experience and have built multi-million dollar greenhouse structures all over the country. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is one of the few companies that specializes in geothermal heating. Geothermal heating utilizes the sun's light and heat to create an amazing year-round growing opportunity. Their geothermal heating has proven to be a gardener's dream even in our cold Colorado winters. They can provide a custom consultation that includes an evaluation of your site and then provide recommendations and a custom plan for all your growing needs. Call Colorado Greenhouse Builders at 720-539-9806 or find them at ready-radio.com. That's ready-radio.com. Summer hailstorms have returned with a bang, leaving roofs across the front range in need of repair or replacement. You need to know what options will be best for your home. Here at Roof Savers Colorado, we pride ourselves in helping homeowners maintain their roofs through hail or shine. We work with any insurance company to get your damaged roof the replacement it needs. 
However, if you're looking to get more life out of your current roof, we also offer a 100% plant-based rejuvenation treatment that gives new roof performance without all the new roof costs. With over 20 plus years of roofing experience, we believe in helping you determine the right solution for your situation and through every season. If you think your roof has been a victim of hail, contact us to set up your free inspection and receive an honest evaluation about the condition of your roof. Call today at 303-710-6916. That's 303-710-6916. Or go to RoofSaversCO.com to keep a durable roof over your head. Do you know that your windshield is getting more expensive to replace? Most vehicles have options that help keep the vehicles from avoiding accidents or even keep it in the traffic lane. These windshields require more than just a replacement of the glass. They also require a calibration of the computer system to make sure everything is operational to the specifications the manufacturer set when the vehicle was built. You can't trust the traveling glass replacement shop to do these necessary calibrations as they require special equipment and in most cases an indoor shop to perform the calibration. We have two Novus locations that can replace your windshield and also do these calibrations. Novus Fort Collins and Novus Sterling. Both are fully equipped with the latest technology to service your vehicle properly. Find either location by going to any of our websites, ready-radio.com, drive-radio.com, or fixitradio.com. Just click on the Novus link. That's Novus Autoglass. Are you tired of those unsightly sunken concrete areas around your property? Look no further than Raise Tech Concrete Leveling. Proudly serving the Colorado and surrounding communities, we understand the unique challenges posed by clay-rich soils. Does your garage or basement floor show signs of settling? Even those finished basements can experience issues, but don't worry. Our solution can save you both time and money compared to costly replacements. Introducing our revolutionary high-density polyurethane foam injection. We use a DOT-approved formula that's trusted on highways, ensuring top-tier quality for your project. While we can't fix structural issues, we can tackle a wide range of sunken concrete problems. And here's the best part. Our process is quick and hassle-free. Our expert team offers free inspections, taking just about 15 minutes of your time. One great thing is you don't even have to be home for the inspection. We want to ensure your complete satisfaction. Ready to take the first step toward a more even, safe, and beautiful property? Call Chadwick Gardner today at 970-682-5129. That's 970-682-5129. Race Tech Concrete Leveling. Lifting your concrete, lifting your spirits. Don't settle for sunken concrete any longer. Call us now at 970-682-5129. All right, ready-radio.com is a place to go. Producer Ann just sent me something saying all of what we talk about here as well. She's going to have up on the website different links and things that we talk about. And, Eric, I I mean, I don't think most people realize, just really quick side note on Antarctica, I don't think people really understand the sheer size of Antarctica alone. It is absolutely massive. We don't really think about it probably you – know, especially us that live north of the equator. We think North Pole, but South Pole is absolutely enormous, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Antarctica is, is literally its own continent. Uh, I, unfortunately, I can't like show you the map of it being overlaid on top of the United States, but it, it basically covers the continental U.S. and part of Canada. Right. Um, it, it's, it's huge. Yeah, it, it's ginormous. Yeah, yeah it really is. Whereas, uh, two, you know, like Greenland, even Greenland is, is very large. And right. Technically, it is the 
largest island in the world. It's not even counted as a continent. Good point. Uh, and I and I did spend seven months up in Thule also. But um, going back to South Pole, yeah, you were asking how it, why it's so hard on the body. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, so you've got that extreme cold. You've got lack of sunlight. You've got high elevation. Uh, it's stealing your thyroid hormone and burning it in muscles, so you're going into hypothyroidism also. From the day you get there, you start losing your short-term memory. I did by, not know that. By the time you reach a full year, you are technically speaking in deficit on your short-term memory. Ah, I had and, no idea. Uh, and then to top it off, if you're, you know, so you only have fresh food during the summer. Uh, now, now there are hydroponics facilities down there. Occasionally, you might get a tomato or something like that. Okay. During winter, but, uh, during winter it's whatever's been put into the cargo burns out in cold storage. And you now, since you never get about freezing, they literally just stack these crates in burns, and they've got all the food, all of the uh, hardware for replacing equipment as it breaks and things like that. They're just stacked out there in, in these cargo berms. And that's your your cold storage, literally. Wow, had no idea. Um, but so yeah, so it's it's tearing your body apart. So so and and again, uh, make sure that I I mean, I'm guessing this from everything you're saying. Humans are like the only life form there, right? There's nothing else around that you have to worry about to contend with. It's just humans, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we did see. Like one skua or two that flew in that far, they probably didn't make it back out because of how far it is. Mm. Uh, a skua is, they're, they're like a giant seagull, but they're smawler than an albatross. Okay. And they're, you know, when you go down to Ross Island or one of the coastal areas, if you've ever watched these penguin documentaries. Right, right. Where the big, you know, where the big seagull-like bird is is picking on the penguins, right. trying to steal the chicks. That that's a skua. Okay, got it. Okay, um, all right. But yeah, no, you're you're in the middle of the continent almost. It's once again almost equivalent to being in Leadville or something. You're thousands of miles from the coast. Okay, I mean, I guessing we're there for exploratory reasons, but other than that. Why? Is that the only reason we do what we do there? Like kind of being in space, yeah. kind of the same thing? The, the original station back in the 50s, um, basically the Russians, the Soviets, said, we're going to go and establish a base at the South Pole. And, and America was like, yeah, no, we're going to be, yeah. And we literally flew stuff in, dropped cargo down, um, Failed to account for the lack of density of the snowpack, and some of the excavators literally sunk down, never to be recovered. Mm. Uh, your your first thirty feet is only compacted ice crystals. Uh, okay. Only after that, you, you you're solid enough. You actually have ice. Okay. Um, so they built the first station. It was slowly getting snowed in. The CBs. Went down there in the 70s, built a large dome, 64 feet, I mean, 46 feet tall, 90 feet across, roughly. 
I don't remember the exact dimensions. And then they built foam sandwich buildings. So you have plywood, foam, and, uh, you know, more plywood. Right. They built, built these buildings down there. Uh, because of fire danger, you literally had a freezer door in your room wall that if there was a fire, you could bail out that freezer door. Mm. Um, and, and that's that's what I lived in down there. Now, the news station, we were having our first full-year winter crew or, or full crew go through living in the news station when I was down there also, but it still wasn't finished. Uh, that station is built on pylons, almost like you'd see an oil derrick mm-hmm. above the ocean mm-hmm. waters. Mm-hmm. Yep. As a matter of fact, all of, this, all of the buildings out there, well, I can't say all, but the main buildings, like the, the satellite antenna that I worked with, the equipment room, they were up on oil derrick-type platforms, and the new station is in that station is actually shaped like an upside-down airplane wing. And the reason for that is that the wind uh-huh. tends to come from one direction most of the time. Okay. And having so the, the design of an airplane wing is such that air going over the curved yep. upper surface has to travel faster to meet the air that goes on the undersurface, and that gives you your lift. Right. By turning that upside down, now the air blowing under there is accelerated, and it's clearing the snowdrift uh, and, and just dropping it further downrange. Okay, makes you know, sense. The dome, the dome. Every spring, we had to dig it out. Yep, and clear everything away. It makes um, sense. And in any other building that isn't either up on skids or or. Otherwise supported, you, you have to dig them out every single year. Makes sense. Additionally, the ice pack is actually growing there, and as the, the snow gets deeper, they're going to literally jack that building up higher wow. off the ground. Okay. I, I thought that I have, thought all that was going away with climate change. Oh, oh definitely, yeah. <laughs> You actually yeah, are so, telling us it's growing and they're going to have to jack it up because it's growing. That's opposite of what we're being told. So your coastal areas where you're seeing the greatest floating ice uh-huh. melt off, they've actually found, I think it's a thousand volcanoes suboceanic. And that's part of what's heating that area and uh, causing some of the that Okay. Float okay, makes to melt sense. Off and break off. That now, makes sense. There's, there's also a natural process, but right. your net ice amount, both there and on Greenland, has been growing these last years. Okay, okay. But your coastal areas are are seeing, yeah, some melt off and stuff. And and I did see that when I was in sure. Greenland. Also, sure. I got up on ice pack. I, I actually teamed up with some of the. Uh, Danish people, because that's, you know, it's a principality of Denmark, uh-huh. um, and got up on the ice pack and, and got partway into, like, one of the ice caves and stuff like that. But, the yeah, your net gain, you're actually in a positive on, on both of those uh, masses. I Again, uh, I'm I, learning something every every... <laughs> 
almost every little segment we go through here, Eric, I'm learning something new. So, by the way, thank you very much. This is just valuable. I had no idea on some of this stuff. None. So one thing I left out or kind of, you know, dropped is sure. the other thing about South Pole Station is you're drinking the purest water in the world. It's all snowdrop oh, or, or ice yeah. crystals that are blown in. Okay. So you have no mineral content in that. Oh. It is literally pulling the minerals and some of the vitamins out of your body. So you have to supplement oh, yeah. Makes vitamins sense. and minerals. So because the water and has so, nothing in it. Yeah. Ah, makes yeah. sense. Didn't know that either. So, they had 55-gallon barrels of limestone chips that was supposed to flow through and take some of that. It didn't work right, so I don't know how they finally solved that. That was after my time. But, yeah, so there's just so many factors that tear you I never thought—I mean, I, you, you, we are so— out of touch with those ends of things and what we do daily, we I would have never thought of any of that, Eric, because we just don't have to think yeah. about that stuff here at all. Well, you know, and, and I hadn't really thought about it either. I grew up, my, my dad worked for Martin Marietta. Okay. And he he brought home stuff from, like, Viking Land there and Venus Orbiting Imaging Radar. And I, I joined the Mars Society uh, when I was a teenager, that was, you know, headed by Carl Sagan and several others where they were talking about colonizing Mars. Mm-hmm. And I, I grew up dreaming of this. And, and actually, when I was offered this opportunity, my wife's like, our son's going to be fine. Go live your dream. Because mm. it, it is. It's as close to a colonization project mm. uh equivalent to Mars or any other places you're going to get yep. on this planet. I Yep. The more I listen to you, I've never realized some of this. I mean, that all now makes sense. I'm just, it's absolutely fascinating. Okay, so part of the reason we wanted to have you on, A, I wanted to hear a lot of this stuff because it's just, to me, just absolutely fascinating. I hope the rest of you listening are as fascinated as I because this is just, it, it's things I've never heard anybody talk about before. Staying warm. Now, I understand that once you're in and all of that, that's probably a different you know, situation, but how do you stay warm when the average temperature is minus 50? So they do issue you some pretty good equipment. Your base, uh, you, we were issued some thermals. Uh, I brought my own pairs also base, base pair or base layer. Um, for me, I don't do well with all these synthetic dry wick things. They, I mean, I hate to say it, but they make me stink. Hmm. And so I, I, in fact, when you were talking about all this, I was one of the ones that called in and said, get silk. Mm-hmm. Because it, mm-hmm. it'll keep you dry yep. and it's natural. Yep. Uh, so for me, I, I had a base layer with silk, and then I had the regular thermals. They issue you the Farmer Carhartt overalls that are insulated. Okay. Uh, you you might get the green farmer uh, uh, Carhartt insulated jacket. There's the big poofy red jackets that are iconic in mm-hmm. in Antarctic photos. You've got the glove liners, which were a uh, nylon or you know synthetic. Then you've got gloves that are issued, and you've got big mittens, almost like you would see um, 
a, a native to Alaska or Canada wearing, just okay. big mittens. Because, you know, any, anytime you're wearing gloves, you are isolating your fingers yep. one from another. That's right. That's why mittens and work better. You, right. Yep. Right. But, you know, as far as being able to handle the tools, you know, for example, I got down there and the big 30-foot antenna uh, was actually broken. As soon as it got warm enough, it had to be above MiG-64 to run the diesel and get the crane out there to pull the feed horn off, feed horn off the antenna. You're trying to handle tools with gloves on. Wow. And... too bulky of gloves doesn't work. You would be down to just those liners, and you would just keep hand warmers all the time in your pockets and stuff. Okay. Um, so you, you had to deal with that. Uh, I mentioned the wind. So you're, you're also issued goggles and basically a balaclava or a neck gaiter. Okay. And let's see, what else? Oh, boots. You, you can either get those big Mickey Mouse boots. Right. Uh, they're, they're white and they're, they're heavily insulated. Or if you were lucky, uh, which your, my, my boss pushed for me to get the more slimmed down blue insulate boots, which are you know just as good but more expensive, and so people don't get those too often. Okay. Uh. So, so, like, if you had to carry your computer in a backpack, you would heat boil water in, in your water bottle and put that in your backpack with the computer so that you weren't going to have your screen freeze up while you were walking from one place to another. Unreal. Um, the, the goggles and the sunglasses, if you had your face mask on, they were worthless. Because your first breath yep. of hot air went up yep. and iced them. Yep. Uh, so uh, what the people that worked the cargo burns, and they were hand-shoveled out every spring, they would take a swimming snorkel and extra tube, and they would have the, the mouthpiece in their mouth, and they would lead that tube down their, their different jacket layers. Right. So we're breathing into the jacket instead of out into the air. Well, it would pre-warm the air coming in their lungs. They were out there for prolonged periods of time. But also, when they would breathe out, they weren't icing their goggles. Ah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, So those are some of the things. The wind there came from basically, like I said, almost always the same direction. If you were walking into that wind... Uh, the, your best bet, since you couldn't wear the goggles, is you just had a slit in your gator, almost like snow goggles, um, like the once again, like the Eskimos had. They had you know cut out right. slit in either bone or uh, wood, you know, wood eye pieces, and that that would minimize the amount of snow blindness that you would potentially mm. encounter. Mm. Uh, you did you did try and wear wear your glasses as much as possible because you didn't want snow blindness. Mm-hmm. How but long? Okay, so d- dumb question. How long can you stay out in? And I, I'm guessing a lot of it has to do with the actual temperature, wind, and so on. But typically, how long can you stay out in it? 
I'm trying to think. I mean, those the cargo people, they were out there, I think, two to three hours at a time. They'd have to come in and warm up. And, uh, you know, of course, that was during the summer when you were in the neg 40s okay. to neg 20s. You know, like I said, maximum temperature was negative 10. Right. Uh, so, you know, and you're, you're physically exerting, so you're burning a lot of calories. Right, right. Uh, you know, uh, so they, they could stay out there longer. Typically, walking from the station out to the antenna system, which had to be remote to avoid radi- uh, uh, EMF right. radiation contaminating right. some of the science experiments, uh, walking out there, it took about 15, 20 minutes. But to be blunt, I mean, by by the time you were well into summer, between acclimation and just physical exertion, you'd be walking out there with your jacket unzipped. You'd have blue jeans on, your thermal underwear, almost, almost like you were walking around during winter here. Except okay. for there's no wetness because of everything being frozen. Um, you, you know, I mean, even in the buildings where they tried to humidify, you weren't getting much above two to three percent humidity a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just because everything's cold and frozen. So at least it's a dry cold, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah, and that makes a difference. But, yeah, 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 and and when you're walking in concert with the wind, you know, heading downwind, uh, you're you're not getting that wind chill factor okay but but going back you would have everything covered up because otherwise you would freeze skin and and chill very fast okay so uh, a lot of factors that, that you had to look at like that but yeah you know i mean not too different in many ways from the way you would handle a winter here you just don't have to worry about getting wet mm-hmm. and what little you do sweat is going to be right. more vapor permeable right um you're you're not building up a sweat like you could be if you were up here skiing and in the humidity that you require skiing here all right let's we'll take another time out got eric from aurora on with us talking about conditions and his experience at the south pole elevation ten thousand feet although it can feel like twelve thousand feet negative 10 is about the warmest it ever gets and it's not for a very long time 109 minus is the coldest it gets, and we just talked a moment ago, average temperatures, you know, negative 50 or so, and we were just talking a moment ago about doing things in the summer where it's, you know, negative 20 to negative 40. So we'll be right back, and we'll get into some of the more cold weather gear and what you guys should all have, talking about the preparedness end of things, but in some cases for us in Colorado, and it's cooler today, just... How do you stay warm in general? We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Ready Radio. Website, by the, by the way, is ready-radio.com. Summer hailstorms have returned with a bang, leaving roofs across the front range in need of repair or replacement. You need to know what options will be best for your home. Here at Roof Savers Colorado, we pride ourselves in helping homeowners maintain their roofs through hail or shine. We work with any insurance company to get your damaged roof the replacement it needs. However, if you're looking to get more life out of your current roof, we also offer a 100% plant-based rejuvenation treatment that gives new roof performance without all the new roof costs. 
With over 20 plus years of roofing experience, we believe in helping you determine the right solution for your situation and through every season. If you think your roof has been a victim of hail, contact us to set up your free inspection and receive an honest evaluation about the condition of your roof. Call today at 303-710-6916. That's 303-710-6916. Or go to RoofSaversCO.com to keep a durable roof over your head. Do you know that your windshield is getting more expensive to replace? Most vehicles have options that help keep the vehicles from avoiding accidents or even keep it in the traffic lane. These windshields require more than just a replacement of the glass. They also require a calibration of the computer system to make sure everything is operational to the specifications the manufacturer set when the vehicle was built. You can't trust the traveling glass replacement shop to do these necessary calibrations as they require special equipment and in most cases an indoor shop to perform the calibration. We have two Novus locations that can replace your windshield and also do these calibrations. Novus Fort Collins and Novus Sterling. Both are fully equipped with the latest technology to service your vehicle properly. Find either location by going to any of our websites, ready-radio.com, drive-radio.com, or fixitradio.com. Just click on the Novus link. That's Novus Autoglass. Have you been thinking about a new pair of glasses? Maybe some prescription sunglasses. Well, look no further than Stack Optical. Since 1968, yes, you heard me right. Since 1968, Stack Optical has been providing the most comprehensive quality ocular care for their patients. This family-owned business is proud to be one of the few optical offices that has their own on-site eyeglass production and eyeglass repair studio. Stack Optical, located at 2233 South Monaco Parkway, features the most extensive lines of eyeglass frames, sunglasses, and contact lenses to ensure that you love your appearance and experience superior comfort. Our comprehensive eye exams proactively diagnose eye conditions and diseases while providing the most accurate vision care. We welcome you to experience a lifetime of superior ocular care from doctors that are devoted to your eye health. Call now for your $69 eye exam, 303-321-1578. At Stack Optical, you'll see the difference. In such an uneasy and unpredictable time that we live in, growing your own food is becoming a necessity. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is a local family-owned and operated business that specializes in custom cedar greenhouses. Owners Jason and Annette have over 35 years of construction management experience and have built multi-million dollar greenhouse structures all over the country. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is one of the few companies that specializes in geothermal heating. Geothermal heating utilizes the sun's light and heat to create an amazing year-round growing opportunity. Their geothermal heating has proven to be a gardener's dream even in our cold Colorado winters. They can provide a custom consultation that includes an evaluation of your site and then provide recommendations and a custom plan for all your growing needs. Call Colorado Greenhouse Builders at 720-539-9806 or find them at ready-radio.com. That's ready-radio.com. Are you looking for a healthcare provider who truly cares about you and your well-being? Look no further than Castle Rock Cryo, IV and Integrative Healthcare, where Dr. Scott Faulkner is ready to provide you with top-notch care. Colorado raised since 1968, Dr. Scott is a board-certified internal medicine specialist, bringing decades of experience and expertise to the table. 
At Castle Rock Cryo, IV, and Integrative Healthcare, you'll experience a competent, friendly, and efficient staff that puts your comfort and care first. Dr. Scott is a true advocate of the latest advancements in healthcare. That's why he only uses umbilical-derived stem cells, which have been clinically proven to be the most potent stem cells available. Tired of waiting weeks for an appointment? Unlike other practices, Dr. Scott has the remarkable ability to see you in a matter of days. Don't wait any longer. Call Castle Rock Cryo IV and Integrative Healthcare at 303-663-6990 to schedule your appointment with Dr. Scott Faulkner today. Are you tired of those unsightly sunken concrete areas around your property? Look no further than Raise Tech Concrete Leveling. Proudly serving the Colorado and surrounding communities, we understand the unique challenges posed by clay-rich soils. Does your garage or basement floor show signs of settling? Even those finished basements can experience issues, but don't worry. Our solution can save you both time and money compared to costly replacements. Introducing our revolutionary high-density polyurethane foam injection. We use a DOT-approved formula that's trusted on highways, ensuring top-tier quality for your project. While we can't fix structural issues, we can tackle a wide range of sunken concrete problems. And here's the best part. Our process is quick and hassle-free. Our expert team offers free inspections, taking just about 15 minutes of your time. One great thing is you don't even have to be home for the inspection. We want to ensure your complete satisfaction. Ready to take the first step toward a more even, safe, and beautiful property? Call Chadwick Gardner today at 970-682-5129. That's 970-682-5129. Race Tech Concrete Leveling. Lifting your concrete, lifting your spirits. Don't settle for sunken concrete any longer. Call us now at 970-682-5129. All right, we are back. Eric from Aurora, Ready Radio, KLZ 560. We're talking about the South Pole, how to stay warm. Okay, Eric, we'll get back to how to stay warm in a minute, but Charlie and I still have a couple of more questions. Is there plumbing at the South Pole? Inside the buildings, yes. Does the water go the Uh, other direction in the drain? (laughs) Yeah, it does. (laughs) Okay. So they do. Okay, so I'm guessing that they've got a big like heating filtration system where that water gets, you know, cleaned, recycled, or do you just use new fresh water all the time? How does that work? Uh, Option B. Option B. Okay. You're sitting on top of two miles of ice. What they do is they drill down into that ice, a wave, insert a pipe, and they, they take melted water from the initial drill hole, uh, heat it up, inject it in to melt a bigger bulb, pull that out, and keep cycling that down in there. You develop this bulb of thawed water under the ice cap. Okay. Or within the ice cap. Okay. And that is called a Rodriguez well. And so you just keep cycling warmer water into there, but you're drawing a percentage of that off to uh, to pipe over to the actual living quarters, cooking quarters, the, the main station. Okay. And so you are on Navy rules for showers. You turn it on, you get wet, you turn it off, hmm. you soap up, Okay. you turn it back on, rinse off. Okay. Uh, the, the rules for a sit-down toilet was if it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's down, brown, flush it down. Got it. So you did not waste water. Okay. On, uh, the the urinals, you've probably seen these new flushless yep. ones. Yep, waterless ones, yep, yep. yep. 
So they were installing those in the new station. Okay. The old station still had a conventional urinal. Gotcha. Okay. I'm assuming they've um, got some sort of a septic system that they do in the ice, similar to the freshwater coming up, or am I thinking incorrectly? Uh, I That kind of got garbled. But, yeah, so the, the wastewater toilet, et cetera, goes into an old Rodriguez well. That's what I thought. Okay, so that's a septic-type system is what they're doing there, right? Yeah. Okay, makes sense. And I'm, I'm yeah. assuming they treat that and they get the bacteria probably growing and it just handles itself like a regular septic system would here. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, you know, obviously your septic system here stays above freezing. Right. Uh, we're in that there. Uh, there. There's a certain amount of bacteria that keeps it, you know, just like a compost pile. Right. It'll, it'll keep it heating for a while, but eventually those freeze up. Okay. Um, and that, that whole ice cap is drifting uh, in each year. They, they I, I don't recall if it was 64 or 46 feet each year. But thousands of years from now, when it drops in the ocean, there will be little brown icebergs. <laughs> um, gotcha. All right. Makes sense. Makes total sense. Uh, okay. No, okay. And, and speaking... Speaking of the ice cap drifting, so the the U.S. Geological Survey, we place a brand new marker every year on January first. Okay. To to mark the actual geographic South Pole. Okay. Um, that, there's a lot of cultural things down there. Uh, of course, you know, if you're standing at the geographic pole, you can either straddle both sides, be on two separate sides of the Earth at the same time. Um, if you're playing kickball or softball, you stand on one side of the international date line and you can hit the ball into yesterday or stand on the other and hit it into tomorrow. (laughs) Wow. That is cool. Okay. So Charlie and I had a question on the darkness before. I know we're getting tied on time. We got to have you back by the way. So we'll do this again. This has just been fabulous and fun and I've really enjoyed it. So I appreciate your, your time. The darkness really quick. The darkness. Is it pitch dark when it's dark or is it like twilight? Uh, no, well, it's, it's pitch dark. You know, once the sun goes down, you have a, I was trying to recall if it's one or two weeks where you kind of got twilight. So I'm guessing that's kind of the first, the map I'm looking at, kind of the first of March is when that starts. Is that, am I thinking correctly? Uh, your peak is, of course, um, 22nd of June. That's your peak elevation of sun. And then on the opposite, you, you've got the... Uh, the darkest or longest night, but technically it's all night. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, the sun's furthest from showing. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, you you go out and you see stars. Okay. You know, and occasionally you get ice clouds. It's not really regular clouds, but typically what I found was about ten ten thirty in the morning is when the tilt of the earth was right that you got most of the auroras oh. down there. So that's the austral aurora. Right. right. As opposed to the aurora borealis. And uh, I saw some fantastic displays. I was walking back from the uh, the communications station, barely asleep, you know, because I'm walking into the wind. It's like, it seems bright out. And I turned my back to the cold, Pulled my mask down, 
and I literally had Aurora horizon to horizon. Wow. And as I'm watching, I start seeing the, I'll call it for just namesake, the southern horizon getting darker and darker on that Aurora is just decreasing until I was literally standing under a vertical wall of Aurora on one side and star fields on the other. That is so cool. And it, it continued to fade. But I'd also see the ribbon-type ones work their okay. way across. Okay. Um, just all sorts of stuff. It, it Amazing. It was really adventure of a lifetime. Now... Um, but, you know, you know, getting to, uh, you know, kind of survival, the... Yeah. Um, yeah, because I, I, I'm actually, I'm building, a, I've got 35 acres that I just bought a year ago. I'm working on doing my permaculture, want to do the greenhouses that you guys nice. talked about. Nice, nice, All that type of stuff. Um, but, you know, down there, uh, I mentioned it, hydroponics. Right. You know, and, and they have automated systems. They're not doing any aquaponics or any of that other stuff, but... Uh, food supply, all those types of things. There, there's so many things down there. Wow. Um, you know, but the main thing is, you know, just like here, wear base layer. Yep. Have have uh, several layers, not one, so that you can unzip a jacket and still got a fleece on underneath. Okay. Uh, for, like, my polar fleece, I had to sew under the zipper. I had to sew an extra wind baffle. So that where the, hmm. the teeth of the zippers came through, I wasn't getting wind blowing through those teeth. All right. Hey, Eric, so, we are out of time. I got several questions that came in. Yes. Those of you asking, can we have Eric back? Yes. I will figure out a time probably in, I don't know, Eric, two or three weeks. So you've got plenty of time. You and I will get together. I'll have you back. We'll continue the conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Had great comments already from folks today, and we will definitely have you back. So thank you, Eric. Sounds like a plan. All right. Have a great rest of your day. Guys, that's Ready Radio. If you missed any of this, go to ready-radio.com. The views and opinions expressed on KLC 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.